The Recruiting Blitz podcast powered by the UC Report is off the ball and coming this week we will be discussing the Geico ESPN High School Football Kickoff Weekend. We'll be breaking down the latest class rankings update and we'll be joined by the number one overall player in the ESPN 300 USC verbal commit quarterback Malachi Nelson. Sometimes life opens a door and you'd be crazy not to cross over and embrace the opportunity on the other side. Sometimes life could be a little bit more challenging, but it will at least open a window for you to climb through and seize opportunity. And then sometimes life falls asleep at the wheel and you need to kick the door down open and create your own opportunities. And it's exactly what we have done here with the Recruiting Blitz podcast powered by the UC Report. You may be asking yourself who, what, why, where. You probably didn't realize you needed this podcast in your life, but we're hoping to prove to you that you do for all things recruiting and college football. And why do we think that? Because there's really a wealth of opportunities throughout the year that as a group we are a part of that really gives us an outstanding insight into the world of recruiting and these prospects that will one day go on to be college football stars and in some cases NFL stars. And what is that? Well, let's start with what is the UC Report, which powers this podcast. That is a recruiting database with over 100 college football FBS programs as clients, something that they go into to get information on top prospects, data, measurables, evaluations. It may not be something that you, as kind of the casual recruiting fan, may know about, but it is something that your favorite college football team very likely uses as a tool in their recruiting process. And beyond that, we run a lot of camps throughout the country, the Under Armour All-America camps, the UC Elite Underclassmen camps, Football University, the Power Academy, uh, Future 50, the Under Armour All-America game. All throughout the year, we get an opportunity to be around many of these top prospects, to see them in action, to get a chance to get to know their personalities. And we hope to bring our experiences from those events to you and get help you to get you better understanding some of these players that will be playing for your favorite college football team. And then lastly, also involved with the ESPN 300, the ESPN uh, college football recruiting rankings. These are all things that we take all this information and we are able to put together and put out there for you as college football fans to be able to take in. And then you may be thinking to yourself, that's great. There's a lot of great information. I actually may be able to get some interesting stuff from this podcast. I don't want to listen to this guy drone on by himself all day. <laughs> do not worry. I am not undertaking this adventure alone. I do have a partner, Wade Jirasi. He may not be somebody that you're aware of, but Wade has been behind the scenes as long as I have been doing this as part of the UC Report team, the three-step family. Uh, he is somebody that is in the database, updating player profiles. He is as familiar with all these players that we talk about as anybody in the industry. So we are allowing Wade to come out from behind the scenes and into the spotlight (laughs) and to let him and his knowledge shine. Welcome, Wade. Thanks for having me, Craig. Like Craig said, I've been at this a long time behind the scenes. Started out years and years ago at this point doing NFL draft research for Todd McShay, even compiling scouting reports on Canadian Football League prospects who might be able to make the leap to the NFL. Well, that's episode two to all of the CFL. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hold your horses on that one. 
since the 2007 class cycle, as Craig pointed out, I've been deep in the ESPN recruiting database, everything from player rankings, class rankings, signing day coverage, supporting Craig and Tom Luganville and others on TV. And um, then the last couple of years, of course, helping grow our uh, product, the UC Report. Basically, for all the slappies, jags, grunts, and admins out there, guys working behind the scenes, I'm here for you. I'm here representing you. We made it. We're on the show. There you go. And for those of you who don't know Wade yet, just think of the actor Charlie Day and just <laughs> tone down the entertainment factor just a little bit, and you'll have a very good feel for who Wade Jirasi is. And uh, listen, there's a lot of members behind the team that we'll bring on. Uh, throughout the coming weeks and months, including, as you mentioned, Tom Luganville is a part of the ESPN recruiting family, uh, Billy Tucker, who runs the UC Report. Uh, and then we also have our man behind the scenes, behind the scenes, running all this, getting us up and running, and that's uh, producer Danny, Danny Priest. So he's the guy, so when things go wrong, we all know who to blame. So, But uh, <laughs> looking forward to, uh, again, sharing all the, all the opportunities, all the experiences that we have within the recruiting process with you and getting to do what we all love to do, talk about football. And let's get that started. Coming up first with a preview of the Geico ESPN kickoff weekend. After a long camp season and a lot of talking about top prospects, it was now that time of year where we get to see these players in action, in pads between the white lines, and uh, excited to kick off the high school football season in a big way with the Geico ESPN high school football kickoff weekend, which is going to start on Thursday, run all the way through Sunday with seven exciting matchups. I'm very lucky to be a part of two of those. Uh, but Wade, I think what's really exciting about this weekend is not just some great matchups and getting to see football again, but really a lot of outstanding prospects taking the field. Yeah, a ton of talent on the field across the family and networks over the weekend. Already 142 identified and offered FBS and FCS prospects across these games. Of course, many more to emerge this fall and in coming years. 16 ESPN 300 players, 10 junior 300 prospects, and even a handful of young class of 2025 prospects who are already emerging as players that will be on our radar for future ESPN 300 consideration. Yeah, so we talked about this entire weekend kicking off. Thursday night, where better to start than in the state of Texas, with uh, Lake Travis taking on Martin High School, Arnthlin Martin. That will be on ESPNU Thursday night. Our good friend Tom Luganville and my old play-by-play partner Jay Alter will be on that call, and that's going to be a really great way to start the season. I think when you look at James Martin, they've got several prospects, probably the biggest and somebody that is still uncommitted within the process. That's ESPN 300, DB, Javin, Taviano, tremendous length. They've also got a really uh, talented running back in Sergio Snyder. And then for Lake Travis, their quarterback is the Michigan State commit, Bo Edmondson. And he comes out of a Lake Travis program that has really, if you're not familiar with them, you're probably familiar with some of the quarterbacks that have come out of there, uh, like Todd Reeson, uh, Baker Mayfield, the Heisman Trophy winner. So there's been some really good quarterbacks that have come into that program, and Bo Edmondson, again, who's verbally committed to Michigan State, He's the next one to keep an eye on. Then we get into Friday night on E2. We go into the state of Georgia. So we're hitting all the uh, recruiting hotbeds that you would know and think of for creating top prospects at the uh, states that those come out of. And this matchup is Mill Creek versus Norcross. Uh, Mill Creek is a, is a program that, to me, has one of the more fun players to watch, and that is the number one ranked safety, Caleb Downs. Uh, he's committed to Alabama. He's a player who's a big hitter, tremendous range, 
And that defense for Mill Creek is also anchored by Jamal Anderson, the ESPN 300 linebacker, a guy who weighed, I think, is a little bit underrated in terms of maybe national rankings by other sites. He's got tremendous length, good quickness. Uh, those two are certainly names to know and to watch Friday evening. Yeah, you brought up Anderson. He was a guy we were a little bit uh, confused with early on in the process. We didn't really understand what the debate was about his merits as a prospect, the son of former Atlanta Falcons running back Jamal Anderson, obviously the inventor of the Dirty Bird, uh, a player we liked right out the gate and have continued to like. And uh, I think that's something we hope to bring onto the show at some point is invite in analysts from some of the other uh, you know, recruiting companies and get their takes on hotly contested prospects, kind of like Anderson was, uh, is still now and was early on in the process. Yeah, certainly looking to debate that uh, as we see many of those guys from 247 on three rivals at at camps throughout the spring. So uh, we always love talking to them when we see them there. And like you said, maybe bring those discussions here to the Recruiting Blitz podcast. Norcross is certainly not void of any talent. That's what makes it a great matchup. But Lawson Unlucky is the guy to kind of keep an eye on a Georgia commit. He reminds us quite a bit watching him on film of Brock Bowers, the, the tight end out of California, who had a, just a monster breakout freshman season. So it's interesting that they from in-state be able to get a player who's very much maybe not one of those tight ends with great height and length, but really agile, great hands, attacks the football. So they're bringing in even more talent at that tight end position in Lucky. And then Saturday. Saturday is one of those days where you load up the fridge, you get maybe one of those six-foot subs, cut it up, put it out in front of you because you have games all day, really no reason to move. Uh, And it kicks off right at noon on ESPN. St. Joseph Prep is traveling out of Philadelphia, is traveling down to Florida to take on St. Thomas Aquinas. St. Thomas Aquinas is a program that has produced the second most amount of ESPN 300 players in ESPN 300 era after IMG. So this is a program that produces a lot of talent. Um, I'm really excited to be on the call for that game along with uh, Connor Onion and Dana Boyle on the sideline. And, you know, just talking to the coaches this week, getting ready for for that game, it's it's exciting, and I think what you're going to have in, in St. Thomas Aquinas, you, you've got a, really a lot of talent. Uh, I think you've got to, though, start on the, uh, on the defensive side of the ball with some of the players uh, that you have, including King Mack. Uh, both of their safeties are committed to Penn State in Mack and Conrad Hussey, so, uh, but Mack is one of those players who excels in track, tremendous range as a player. He's certainly a big, uh, big play kind of uh, factor there in the secondary. Yeah, Mac is a, an interesting recruit from a number of perspectives, but most importantly, he's a great example of why the evaluation and the recruiting process never really stops on a player. He's an early emerging player in his class, obviously a great football player from a powerful program. We'd seen him as a rising junior go toe-to-toe and compete against rising seniors at the Future 50 event where he held his own. He showed up at camps and combines over the years and always competed, always played well, but never really posted any eye-popping numbers. So despite the fact that on film, tough, aggressive, instinctive, competitive, loved everything about him as a player, didn't really have any verified measurables on his top-end speed, all of a sudden this spring, he starts running the 100-meter in track, and he rips off a bunch of consecutive sub-11s, including a personal best, I believe, a 10-6-4. So it kind of makes you go back to your scouting report on him and the things that you thought you saw maybe were projecting a little bit, they become less of projections and you feel better about that evaluation of the player. Yeah, so certainly uh, an interesting player to keep an eye on. And he'll be facing a, really a St. Joseph Prep offense that has a lot of young talent. 
amongst it. And certainly some names I think that are going to be coming on the radar. The, the player I'm really excited to see is Samaj Jones, their quarterback. He's a junior. He's got Boston College, Penn State, Temple, Louisville. I had a chance to see him last year, and at that point, Temple was his only offer. He's picked up a few more. Not a player with great height, but he's got a, a thick, powerful build. Could run through tackles when he needs to escape the pocket. Has good arm strength. Still developing as a passer. Reminds us a lot of Jalen Hurts at the same stage. So really excited to see that quarterback, uh, that young developing quarterback in action facing a really talented St. Thomas Aquinas defense. Then at 4 p.m., get a chance to see another great game. Be on the call along with my crew at 4 p.m. on ESPN2. Los Alamitos coming cross-country to face American Heritage. And listen, this is a really great battle. Obviously, Los Alamitos is led by quarterback Malachi Nelson, the number one overall player at ESPN 300, who we'll be hearing from shortly. And he has weapons around him, but it starts with Makai Lemon. He is also committed to USC. Those two have been playing together since Pop Warner. They have almost an... Uh, uh, an unspeakable bond. So really getting to see those two in action. We had a chance to see him at Future 50 event back in July uh, in a seven-on-seven setting, but just some of the throws and how they kind of uh, are always on the same page without even needing to verbalize it is certainly impressive. And American Heritage, you know, this you say in boxing styles, make fights. You know, listen, in, in this matchup, you've got the number one ranked quarterback, the number two ranked wide receiver, and he is facing a secondary with three Power 5 commits in it. And Damari Brown, who's uncommitted to ESPN 300. Shamar McNeil, who's committed to Missouri. And Damian Fagan, who is committed to NC State. So something's got to give in that matchup. And you're talking about how good the defensive backfield is this year. Just to give you a sense about how loaded they've been over the years, Shamar McNeil, as you mentioned, is a Power 5 commit. He's a guy who's committed to Missouri. He actually didn't really start last year. Earl Little, who's at Alabama, Jacoby Spells, who's at Virgi uh, West Virginia, and his current teammates, uh, Brown and Fagan, shouldered most of the load in the defensive backfield last year. But this is a guy our scouts loved early on. They gave him a Power 5 grade in the UC report, loved his length, versatility, his speed, and uh, obviously Missouri saw similar traits and was willing to take a player as a commitment uh, who hasn't had too much of a full-time workload. But stepping into the starting role this year for Shamar McNeil, is a player that I'm excited to see uh, in this matchup. Yeah, so a lot of talent on the field. And following that game at 7 p.m. on ESPN2 is maybe, Wade, there may not be another game with more prospects in it than this matchup Loaded. when Duncanville takes on South Oak Cliff. And South Oak Cliff is just absolutely loaded. Malik Muhammad, the ESPN 300 cornerback. Uh, Javin Thomas, who's committed to Texas A&M. He'll be active on both sides of the football uh, and they take on a, a Duncanville squad that really impressive as well. I think one of their top players, though, is one of the uh, prospect in ESPN Junior 300, Colin Simmons, uh, coming off the edge, tremendous first step, good body control to turn the corner. He is certainly somebody that's going to need to be contended with as a pass rusher. Absolutely. And another player I'm excited to see from Duncanville is uh, 2024 running back Caden Durham, currently number 245 in the Junior 300. He is a competitive track athlete who I believe his, uh, his top 100-meter mark is 10.52. That might be a wind-aided mark. In our newest UC report feature, where we are actually capable of measuring play speed off high school film, Durham has been tracked running 21.3 miles an hour, which for the running back position, anything 21 miles an hour and above is uh, certainly an elite mark. 
and his recruitment has definitely picked up lately too. Late August, his most recent offers are from Alabama and Oklahoma. Yeah, max speed is what you're referring to, a way to kind of measure on-field game speed yes. through film. Certainly uh, something new and cutting edge and excited and really a great way to kind of compare. Maybe sometimes you hear the term, you know, track fast and football fast, and here's a great opportunity uh, to be able to see sometimes who may be football fast. And for fans, just for a reference uh, standpoint, some names you might know from college and from Sundays now, Dalvin Cook's a running back who's kind of in that elite range, the 21-plus. And then when you get up in the 22-mile-an-hour range, you're talking Tyreek Hill fast, the, you know, the fastest of the fastest. And then it all ends up Saturday night. If that wasn't enough, we got another great game at 9 p.m. on ESPNU. Uh, Lips- Lipscomb Academy takes on Thompson out of Birmingham. Thompson really has just been a state power in the state of Alabama. Uh, they actually lost their first game uh, this the start of the 2022 season. Lipscone Academy is coming off a win in week one. Trent Dilfer leads that squad, the old uh, quarterback, uh, Super Bowl winning quarterback from the Ravens and been very active on the scene uh, and coaching quarterbacks through the Elite 11. He leads a program Wade, that has a lot of exciting young players uh, to keep an eye on Caleb. Beasley being one of them, Caleb was a defensive MVP for them in their win a week ago. Had an interception to uh, thwart a potential touchdown in their win last week. Also had a big punt return. So he is certainly uh, somebody to watch amongst that team. And then for Thompson, I mean, they are just loaded. And and that team is anchored by the five-star defensive tackle, Peter Woods, who's committed to Clemson. Maybe, if not one of, maybe the most explosive player in this class. And he's a player who, you know, just to kind of give you a comparison, obviously this is a really big one, but you think about it, I think about like an Aaron Donald, you know, who Aaron Donald's not the most physically imposing defensive tackle, maybe a little bit undersized, but he's so quick. He wins a leverage battle, makes him so powerful that he could still be a dominant force. And that's what, you know, you see that similar type of play out of Peter Woods. And then lastly, on Sunday at 1 p.m. on ESPN, St. Xavier takes on Loyola Academy. Uh, that's going to be a game, and really one of those games, I think Wade's going to be won or lost in the trenches. Some really good players. I know for St. Xavier, Ted Hammond's one of these guys, a little bit of a lunch pail type player, but always plays with good pad level, uses his hands, uh, could be really stout. And then on the other side, for Loyola, excuse me, Loyola Academy, that's tough to say, uh, coming out of Illinois, Brooks Barr, he's committed to Michigan. Michigan's done a really nice job of kind of loading up on defensive line talent in that 2023 class so far. He is a part of it. Good length. Uh, He could continue to work to become a little bit more explosive, but another one of those players really good with his hands. He could set the edge, does a nice job of reading and recognizing blocks, putting himself in a position to make plays. And this is one of those battles, I think, Sometimes you got to tear yourself away from the football and watch what's going on in the trenches. So those, that's the rundown for kickoff week. And every week we'll take a look at some of the key high school fo- football matchups. Won't always be that lengthy, but when you have a, uh, when you have a football menu like that, you got to go all the way <laughs> through it. So uh, looking forward to checking it out. Uh, and those are some of the names that you settle in and watch to certainly keep an eye out for. In a couple of hundred episodes, uh, we'll have a trivia contest, and it will be who was the first guest on the Recruiting Blitz podcast, uh, powered by the UC Report. And the clue I will give will be he was the number one ranked player in the 2023 ESPN 300. And naturally, I'll be talking about this young man, quarterback Malachi Nelson, Los Alamitos High School. Uh, 
We'll get a chance to see him in action this Saturday on ESPN2 at 4 o'clock Eastern, 1 o'clock Pacific, when him and his teammates take on American Heritage out of South Florida at St. Thomas Aquinas High School. And looking forward to seeing the number one player in the country in action. Malachi, thanks for joining us. No problem. No problem. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, you guys already kind of got the season underway. Had a big win week one. Only one incompletion in the first half. Five touchdown passes. Didn't even need to play the fourth quarter. How did that first game of your senior year kind of unfold? How did you feel in that first game? Yeah, no, I felt good. I mean, it was, you know, it was, man, senior year, it's good to be back out there with the, with you know, with the team. And, you know, I felt, you know, we started rolling. And, you know, the first game, you get all the jitters out. And, you know, the whole team starts, you know, man, it's football season again. And, you know, it was good to, to get back out there finally. I mean, you know, something we've been working for, you know, especially the senior class. I mean, you know, this is, you know, this is a big year for us. Um, you know, we want to come out on top and, you know, we all have those goals and things like that, but you know, the, the community of goal is you know to win a championship, and you know, it's uh, it was good to come out on top in you know, the first first week, and you know, we got a big one this week, so we're, we're excited, yeah. And a big one and cross country, you guys are going to get on a plane and travel to South Florida. And you know, talk about this experience. You talked about you know, being a team and everything, and really kind of think about a little bit of the philosophy of iron sharpens iron. You're going to go out and test yourselves against one of the best programs in the country, one of the best programs in South Florida, American heritage. Talk about taking on this challenge and kind of what it means for you guys, maybe from California to kind of go into uh, Florida and kind of represent California against one of the East coast powers. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's huge. I mean, you, you look at, I mean, California teams that are, you know, get to play on that big of a scale and it, it really doesn't happen, you know, that, that often, and, you know, American heritage Great football team. You know, I got a couple of buddies over there I mean, that I've played with. And, you know, they, they're solid across the board. It's going to be fun. I mean, those are the games you live for. You know, those are the games you want to play. And, you know, it's, you know, it gets, it gets tiring, you know, being up on those those teams are, you know, that aren't very talented. But, the, you know, these guys are you know, the complete opposite of that. And they're a very good football team. Um, you know, it's going to be excited to, to go out there and compete. And like you said, you know, represent California, you know, in, uh, you know, one of the biggest games, you know, this weekend. Well, probably, you know, not a ton of film to watch as it's, you know, early in the season they've played, but obviously they got a secondary with a uh, two power five commits, another one that's going to wind up committing to a power five school. Uh, you know, what has kind of jumped out to you when, I, when you, what you've been able to see uh, in that secondary there from American Heritage? Yeah, yeah, no, they're, they're talented. You know, I actually played with, uh, you know, a couple of them over the, uh, over the summer at some tournaments and, you know, they're, they're really talented. They're long, you know, they cover ground well, great ball skills. Um, you know, they're talented, you know, at the end of the day, we're going to have to, you know, put a scheme together to, you know, put our guys in better positions. Um, you know, and I think, I think we will, I think we got, you know, we we're just as talented on this side and, um, you know, we, we, we got some good receivers, you know, to help me, to help me look good, you know, in some situations and, I mean, it's going to come down to those those, those situations um, sometimes in this game. You know, it's, I mean, you can only, you know, you can only plan so much, you know, it's going to come down to, you know, to some guys that are going to have to make some plays um, here and there. So now I'm excited. You know, it's going to be a really, really good, uh, you know, man, almost coming out party, you know, for for a lot of these kids. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Hey, well, you, you talked about it, obviously, matchups make for uh, great games and, you guys counter an outstanding secondary with a lot of uh, firepower at your receiver cores. I think, you know, your, your leading receiver from a year ago returns and Makai Lemon, 
uh, I had a chance to watch you two guys uh, at the Future 50, and it almost seems effortless between the uh, synergy between you two. Can you talk a little bit about him as a receiver and kind of the bond that you guys have been able to kind of forge and both the USC commits as well? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, we, man, it's, 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 it's fun when, you know, when you got a great, you know, group of guys to, to you know, to help you out a little bit. And, uh, you know, I've been blessed. We have a great, you know, receiving core, um, you know, across the board. And Makai is obviously, you know, one of the best receivers in the nation. And he, uh, I mean, he, he helps me out a lot. You know, he's a uh, super talented, I mean, well-rounded receiver. Um, you know, he, I mean, we've known each other, played together since we were five years old. So, I mean, a lot of the stuff that we're doing, I mean, Nobody even knows what we're doing. The coaches don't even know what we're doing. You know, it's a lot of the times I'll look at him. I mean, he'll signal me this. He'll just look at me. I already know. Like, I already, it's just, you know, it's, it's mutual. We, we know what's going on, but nobody else does. And, you know, a lot of times it ends up working out just because, you know, we're on the same page. And, you know, when I when I know what he's thinking, he knows what I'm thinking. You know, it, it works out. Man, in, in that sense, he's, he's, he's super talented. You know, he's going to be, you know, he's going to go on to play, you know, a lot of, he's going to go on to play, you know, big time football, you know, and, and at a lot of places. So he's, uh, yeah, we're just excited to have him. I mean, can't say no good things about him. Yeah. Bring us a little bit into his, uh, personality. What's, what's he like, you know, as, uh, you guys talk about kind of the unspoken bond you have as a QB and a receiver, but what's, what's Mikhail, what's relationship off the field? Like what type of kid is he? Yeah, no, he's, he's a great kid. I mean, he's, you know, he's kind of, he's kind of somewhat introverted, um, as am I, uh, a little bit. So, kind of get along in that sense but he I mean you know on the field he he doesn't take you know doesn't take none of that um you know, stuff so I mean he, he flips the switch when he gets on the field and you know he turns into I mean he's just a he's a competitor wants to win you know and he'll do whatever you know whatever the team needs to I mean you know he'll see you'll see him out there on both sides of the ball this week I mean you know doing what he has to do to you know to help the team win so um yeah I mean he's he's he's, he's a gem you know he, he helps us out in a lot of different places obviously He's kind of one of the big names in that batch, but you talked about that entire receiver group, uh, Ethan Connor. Can you maybe give us one or two guys in that group that, you know, what stands out about them? And maybe who is the guy that maybe doesn't have the stars next to his name, but you say, hey, you guys should really look out for him this Saturday when he takes the field? For sure, for sure. No, I mean, yeah, like you said, Ethan O'Connor had a, you know, he had a big week last week. I mean, obviously going into every week, every team was going to try and stop Kai, right? So you kind of have a playoff of that and, you know, okay, this is what it looks like. Maybe we're going to get Kai in this position or, you know, get get these other guys the ball. And, you know, Ethan had a big week last week. I think he scored two or three touchdowns, you know, on just balls where you get the ball in his hand quick and he makes, you know, he makes, the, you know, he makes, he takes the rest. Um, so he's, he's really, really talented. He's gonna he's gonna have to have a big week as well because like I said, you know, they're gonna have a plan for Makai. You know, we also have another receiver, Cassius Tani. He uh he's gonna he's gonna be uh, you know, a big part of what we're gonna do. He he plays the slot. Um, he's a shifty type of guy. He uh man, he's gonna he's gonna be all over the field, you know, getting running all over the place. He's fast, shifty, you know, great hands. He uh he's one of those guys, like you said, no offers. Um kind of one of those under radar guys but he's uh you know he's played big time football out here you know for a while so he you know he's he's nothing new to, you know this competition nothing new to him so uh yeah we're looking for you know a lot of these guys you know some young guys that are gonna have to you know step up to you know to the plate and man you know it's gonna be a it's gonna be a big week you know battle um so i'm excited you know i know i know they are too you know and talked about another guy really I find intriguing looking forward to seeing on Saturday is uh your running back Colorado State commit Damian Henderson a guy's 
really good athlete. Could talk a little bit about, you know, what he brings to that offense. Yeah, no, he's – man, he, you can't say enough good things about that kid. I mean, you know, where he came from, his, his story. I mean, the kid is – you know, he's overcome some things. And I mean, man, he's he's a baller. He's a baller. He uh, – you know, he's going to – I'm looking for him to do some big things I mean, with the ball in his hands this, 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 this week. So, I mean, this year as well. I mean, he, he he's very, very, very talented. And you guys are for sure going to see that. I mean, he came from a smaller school that, you know, last year he played at um, – yeah, not as much film or, you know, all that type of stuff. So when he came over, I mean, I actually played with him when I was young. When I was like seven years old or so, me and Makai played with him. And he ended up coming back, you know, this year. So it was a cool kind of full circle moment. But he uh, super talented. He got a lot better. Um, I mean, super fast. He's also like a track kid, you know, a, a low 10 10 second, uh, 100 meter guy. So he's really, really fast. And I mean, he's physically, he's great overall running back. You know, we're excited to have him. Yeah, certainly some potential breakout candidates on, on a national stage on on Saturday. And that's pretty neat to just, you know, kind of that core of quarterback, running back, receiver that you guys kind of go all the way back to Pop Warner. Uh, kind of, yeah, neat yeah. Kind of, as you mentioned, see that full circle. Um, so certainly, uh, you know, being a quarterback, I'm sure you'd be remiss if you didn't talk about the big guys up front. Linkerson group, see two freshmen at tackles. Um, talk a little yeah. bit about the big guys up front that kind of keep you clean. Yeah, man, we, uh, man, we got some, you know, some really, really talented, you know, linemen. Like you said, we got some young guys up there. I mean, man, I was in the weight room today watching these guys put up some weight where, I mean, there's some, you know, some seniors. I mean, there's some college guys <laughs> putting up the weight those guys are putting up. So, I mean, super, super talented. I mean, they're strong. I mean, man, I can't even, I can't even begin to, you know, talk about what these guys are going to do. And I'm excited for them. Like you said, this is a big stage, you know, for a lot of these guys, you know, to showcase. And I'm excited for them, you know, especially because, you know, a lot of those guys are under-recruited. And, you know, I'm excited for, for them to, you know, to go out there and showcase their skills against, you know, a, a very talented team. So it's going to be exciting. This is the question. I know uh, I've read that you have an NIL deal with a hospitality firm that, involved in restaurants and stuff have you taken the guys up front out for dinner yet <laughs> i haven't at that restaurant that's definitely in the near future it, it's kind of far from where we're at so it's yeah. hard but no i've definitely taken lots of dinner gets food you know here or there you know those guys you know they're those are my guys you got to keep them close for sure hey awesome. yeah there's some big boys up there so uh good thing you got something there so that'll be uh, a fun night i'm sure you know one one of the interesting things is you know you're the number one player in the country you, you've been highly touted for several years, but one of the things that's impressed me and kind of thing, one of the things I think helped you rise to that number one spot is you never shied away from competition. Just this year alone, it's mentioned you're at the Future 50 event. You came out to the Under Armour LA camp. You've gone to Elite 11 events. Despite already kind of having accomplished a lot, having a lot of offers, why was it important for you to still go out there, go to these events and compete? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that, you know, the biggest thing for me is, you know, I mean, you always got something to prove. I mean, I was talking, to, you know, to Aaron Rodgers at this event, you know, a while back, and he was telling me, like, we we're talking about how, like, you know, do you go into every week, like, knowing, you know, that you're going to go out there? And he's like, no, I got to remind myself every week, like, I'm still the guy, you know, I still got <laughs> it, you know, so I mean, that's something that stuck with me. And, you know, you've got to, you know, at all these events, you know, whether you're, you know, you're playing against good competition like this week or in the game or, you know, you got an event where it's going to be other guys there, you know, it's always been something for me. I mean, I feel like I'm the best, but that's, you know, that's something for me to think I'm not, you know, stuck up or anything like that. I'm not going to go out and, you know, boast about how 
you know, great I am, but I, all I can do is, you know, go out there and, you know, keep my mouth shut and, you know, prove it. So um, that's something that's been big for me. I mean, I love competing. You know, like I said, I mean, these are the types of games where I feel like you have the most fun. I mean, you got great players on both sides of the ball. Anyone can win. Um, you know, mistakes are huge. You know, so you got to try to limit those. And I mean, these are the type of games you live for. I mean, man, these are the ones you want to play every week. So, no, it's always been about competition. I'd say it's, you know, kind of the biggest thing for me. Well, that's, that's a great mindset. And the longer I do this, the more I realize that talent will only take you so far as those that ultimately at their core love to compete, love to play the game. And I think you've certainly shown that in, in like I said, in not turning down any opportunities to go out there and compete. And I think building off of that, Malachi, is that, you know, being a quarterback is more than just arm talent or being able to move around. I think a lot of it is leadership as well. Uh, and, you know, I want to kind of flash back a little bit to kind of get to this point where you're the number one player in the country. But uh, during your sophomore year, you came out to a camp in, at, in L.A., an Under Armour camp. It was kind of a rough day, uh, kind of butted heads a little bit with uh, with one of the quarterback coaches there. And, uh, you know, it, it wasn't kind of the greatest day. But afterwards, you kind of reached out uh, to Tom Lugaville. You guys kind of struck up a, a conversation and. You know, I don't know whether it was a bad day or what, but I, I give you a lot of credit because the young man from that day to the next time we saw you to at Future 50 is you showing a lot of maturity. And I think, you know, listen, every day we all make kind of, we all have rough days. We all make mistakes. I think the big thing is in leadership is showing growth and change. You can talk a little bit about that time from that date and kind of how you continue to build and kind of grow as a leader. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, leadership. Do you remember that? No, I do. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, Leadership is huge. I mean, especially, you know, for the quarterback position. And I mean, you know, it's something that, you know, you have to, it can't even, it can't always be, you know, with your words or, you know, just telling people things. It's a lot of times, you know, by your actions. And, um, you know, that's something that I've tried to, you know, kind of instill in my team because, I mean, yeah, I can lead as much as I can, but I feel like the team is at its best when everybody is, you know, leading. everybody is holding each other accountable. It's not just the quarterback, you know, obviously that's my job and, you know, I'll definitely help people here and there. But I think when we'll get to that point, that's when the team's the best, when everybody's holding each other accountable for, you know, for the little things that, you know, can change the game. Right. So um, that's always been something that's important to me. And yeah, like you said, I mean, man, we've, we've all <laughs> I've grown a couple, you know, I've grown, you know, since then a little bit. So, I mean, to get to this point and, you know, like you said, I mean, he, he was someone making the decision, right? So, um, you know, I'm just blessed to be in the position I am now and, you know, I've overcome some of those things. Well, that's awesome. Like I said, it's been, it's been great to see your growth, uh, you know, since that day. And, and like I said, I think it's, it speaks a lot, you know, I'm saying to continue to grow and get better. And you still got a lot, a lot of football ahead of you. You know, you talked about the opportunity to kind of get some wisdom from Aaron Rodgers a bit ago. Anybody else that you watch kind of mold your game after a little bit? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, Aaron Rodgers definitely up there. I mean, he's, you know, one of the best, obviously, to ever do it. And, you know, I like a lot of the things he's doing. Um, you know, there's a lot of talented quarterbacks. They kind of, you know, take certain things from, you know, each one of them. You know, a lot of people are like, who do you model your game after? Like, well, man, I, you know, I, I kind of take, you know, things from, you know, from different people, you know, whether it's, you know, Tom, obviously, you know, everything that he's been able to accomplish in his career, you know, how kind of Patrick Mahomes has kind of changed the game, you know what I mean, and stuff like that. So, I mean, there's a lot of guys, you know, that, you know, I try to, you know, learn something from. I mean, you can learn something from anybody, right? And, yeah. you know, it's, it's kind of finding those, those attributes and those things. 
Yeah, and just in case the casual fans listening, Tom means Tom Brady. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I will say this too, you know, listen, he talked about, you know, kind of erupt. I also want to talk about, you know, at the Future 50 event, which took place this summer, the Under Armour Future 50 event for Under Armour All-Americans. You know, Jeff Blake was the quarterback coach, the old NFL coach. But, you know, I think to your, you know, talking about doing the little things well to be successful, you know, I was told you we were only one of the few players that, you know, when we brought in some current college players to talk to you guys, you had your notepad out and taking notes and stuff like that. And it seems like, you know, you've really been open to kind of soaking up as much as you can from those who have come before you and kind of trying to learn from their experiences as well. Yeah, no, I mean, I, it's always, I love to be around people, you know, who have been through what I'm going to be through or go through, you know what I mean? And you know, that's something that's been, you know, important to me. And, you know, when you can learn something from somebody like that, I mean, it's, it's huge, right? They're, why would you not want to, you know, kind of learn something from someone who's gone through exactly what you're going to go through recruiting, you know, to, you know, playing in big games and national championships, you know, stuff like that, that, you know, that I'm planning on, you know, kind of accomplishing and going through. Um, so, I mean, I would be a fool to not, you know what I mean? So that's something, you know, that, I mean, kind of just, you know, is, is natural, you know, at this point it's taking, you know, free gems kind of thing. So. Gotcha. And then, uh, one of the difficult parts is the recruiting process, obviously. And, you know, it could be a long winding road at one point committed to Oklahoma. Lincoln Riley leaves, goes to USC back into your right into your backyard. You, you follow Coach Riley to the USC Trojans. Can you talk a little bit about that relationship and that bond that you've been able to kind of build with him that would kind of, you know, and when, when that yeah. move happened, you're like, wow, this is kind of convenient. Now I get to go home. For sure. For sure. No, I mean, it. Man, it, it was perfect. I mean, how it kind of worked out. Obviously, I I started building a relationship with him at Oklahoma, and you know, we got tied up there. You know, committed there, and you know, started to build a class. Um, you know, there with you know, obviously Brandon Ennis, who is at American Heritage as well. And yeah, you know, we started to you know to build a class, and you know, obviously everything kind of you know unfolded and happened. And when he made the move, you know, it was it was pretty simple enough for me and my family. We're like, you know, at the beginning, we were choosing between you know staying home or you know going with Lincoln. And, you know, when Coach Riley made the move, it, man, it it all made sense at the in the end. So, it uh, you know, it worked out, and you know, I couldn't we couldn't be happier. On you know, my parents definitely could not be happier. You know, yeah. So it worked yeah. out. Awesome. Well, then, but you did make some headlines when you kind of this summer took a visit to Texas A and M. Uh, your future teammate at USC, Zachariah Branch, also had a little bit before you kind of taking a visit to A and M. You talk a little bit about what that experience was like. I know. Uh, I did read that people made note that when you took your helmet off on Friday, you did have a USC bandana on. Uh, only in the world of recruiting can clothing matter so much <laughs> to what you're wearing. But yeah, yeah, for just sure. talk a little bit about that experience and kind of how that plays into the mix. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, there's great people over there. I mean, man, recruiting, you know, it's crazy. You know, it's, you know, I, I'm not going to say anything bad about them because, I mean, all these people, I mean, I have great, great relationships with people all over the place, you know, right? So, I mean, the biggest thing for me right now is I, I'm putting recruiting on the back burner and, you know, playing my senior year. I mean, that's that's what's important to me. I mean, you know, obviously I'm committed to USC and that's where my head is at right now. It's, you know, focused on building that class and, you know, winning some football games. You know, I mean, I still got my senior year to play. I'm not, you know, going to let those, you know, those outside things kind of distract me. At this point, man, you know, I'm, you know, you only get one senior year, yeah. right? So I'm, I'm trying to, you know, go out on top of my brothers. You know, we got a big game this week got a lot more important things, you know, than that, you know, for me right now. So um, not to kind of just completely disarray from your question, but I mean, yeah. you know, that, those are you know, some of the things that you know, are way more important right now. Okay. For sure. 
So no visits planned right now, just focusing on, on games on the field? No, 100%. 100%, yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then, uh, but, you know, I do want to ask you, though, got a chance to work with him at Future 50. He's a part of that class as well. As a quarterback, you got to be really happy that the number one and two ranked receivers, we talked about Makai. Talk a little bit about Zachariah Branch and kind of, you know, what jumps out to you about him as a receiver. Man, I I can't even, words don't describe that kid. I mean, man, he's he's special. I mean, you know, lightning in a bottle. I mean, great hands. And Man, I, I don't even want to say, I mean, I'm, it, it it's wild. I mean, wait, the things he can do, and, you know, on the field. So he's really talented. And he, he plays, you know, obviously a big game this week as well. You know, he's playing, you know, one of the SoCal teams, modern day. I mean, one of the, you know, one of the best high school football team programs of all time, you know, so we'll see how he does this year. I just, you know, stacks with him a little, bit, a little bit ago about that one. And yeah, he's a great kid, great family, yeah. obviously a great football player. Um, you know, so yeah, we're, we're definitely excited to have him. Oh yeah. Yeah. Certainly an electric player. You don't have to ever worry about overthrowing him. I would imagine uh, with that type yeah. of speed, <laughs> you know, and just kind of uh you know, lastly, I think, you know, one of the other big things we talked about the ability to pick some people's brains and and to learn from them. Obviously, you know, news came out, California, one of the few states that allows high school players to take advantage at NIL. And you signed with Clutch Sports led by Rich Paul. But one of those clients is LeBron James. Have you ever had a chance to meet or talk to him? I have not yet. I have not yet. We uh, I mean, I'm sure it's in the near future. And, you know, obviously he's close with Rich and, you know, Fair and all those people. I mean. You know, Clutch actually, I mean, it just, it feels like a complete family. We, you know, we had a kind of a charity event, you know, this past weekend and, you know, the team came out and, you know, it's, it, it worked. I'm glad how it worked out. Um, it, you know, it's perfect. I feel super comfortable with them. And um, it's, it's, it's a great team, you know, people behind me and I can, couldn't be more proud, you know, to, to represent them. What was that charity event? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So we did, um, we kind of did this thing, um, you know, at this local Pop Warner, you know, from Little South went out there, you know, hang with the kids and, you know, just kind of give back. Cause I mean, you know, it was, it feel like yesterday, you know, when, when that was me, you know, you know, and I mean, to, to be able to be in the position that I am today, you know, it almost felt like a snap of the fingers to get to this point, but, you know, to be able to give back and, you know, take pictures of the kids, show them, you know, show them love. I mean, it, it means the world to me. Cause I mean, like I, I will never, you know, get to the point where, you know, I'm big headed and forget about all of those things, you know, or forget about when NIO wasn't a thing. You know, and yeah, so I mean, it's it's definitely you know it's definitely a blessing to be able to do that. So you know, whenever I could do those types of things, you know, I'm all for it. Yeah, that's awesome, especially as you mentioned the the roots that you have there with with guys like Makai and Damian, both coming from uh, Pop Warner. And you know, I, I, one of the interesting things I, I read that you said that you know um, you know with NIL, it's something that fans and everybody's still trying to wrap their heads around a little bit, and uh, it's it's a new world out there. And but. I know you said that you really seem to be aware of, you know, last year, some college players, maybe they had a bad day or a bad game. And then the next day they would tweet out, you know, that they had a deal. And, you know, you said, Hey, maybe that's not kind of the best look. You seem to be really aware of, you know, that how they play hand in hand. I mean, how do you stay focused when you're already in a position to kind of make some money, make some potential opportunities? How do you stay focused you know, to, say that, you know, you yeah. still need to perform on the field. I feel like, I mean, I think, you know, that's a great point. And I think that is, you know, the point really. I mean, that's what I tell them. It's like, I got to focus on football. I just play football, you know, and I got a great team, you know, behind me, you know, kind of my dad's happily involved in it um, as well. So, I mean, they kind of handle everything. You know, I kind of got someone who handles, you know, the money aspect or, you know, marketing. I mean, everything, obviously clutch has their whole line of, you know, people and stuff like that. And, 
involved with them. And I mean, it, it's everything I could ever need, all the assets I could ever need. And, you know, obviously my dad is involved as well. And, you know, my dad always said, he's like, you just focus on football, we'll handle the rest. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when I could do that, it, you know, it makes my job easy. So. Awesome. Awesome. And then lastly, uh, I would imagine how many times you get uh, teammates asking you to kind of give them a ride to school. You know, you're able to kind of, your hard work is benefited. You're able to uh, buy, a, buy a Mercedes. So you got to be pretty popular in the mornings. Hey, swing by and pick me up. For sure. No, whenever I can, you know, you know pick them up. It's definitely, you know, it's definitely fun. <laughs> awesome. Well, awesome. Well, we really appreciate the time. Again, number one player in the country in the ESPN 300 Under Armour All-American Malachi Nelson, his teammates, Los Alamitos, big game this Saturday, 4 o'clock Eastern, 1 o'clock Pacific on ESPN2. Uh, if you tune into that game, you will see some players who will be making an impact in college football not before not too long, and Malachi Nelson certainly one of them committed to USC. Uh, thanks so much for the time. We can't wait to see you in action on Saturday. Appreciate you. Appreciate you guys for having me on. We're a little over four months away from the start of the early signing period coming up in December. And as we get closer, uh, the battle for the number one class continues to heat up and a new edition of the ESPN class rankings coming out this week at top 40. And amongst that group, Wade is a new number one, but not an unfamiliar. No surprise. Not an unfamiliar face to those who follow recruiting as Alabama is able to move into the number one spot. And if they're able to hold on, through February, it will be the eighth number one ranked overall class that Alabama has signed under Nick Saban. Still a lot of work to do, certainly T to watch, but I mean, the talent is, is impressive. They have eight players ranked amongst the top five at their respective position, five ranked amongst the top three at their position. They had a few pickups in the trenches, two on the offensive line, one on the defensive line. That coupled with Keon Keeley decommitting from Notre Dame, which from the start of the process has held that number one spot, was allowed the Crimson Tide to be able to move up and jump in. And what's really interesting, too, Wade, is now Alabama very much in the mix to land Keeley. So they could have taken Notre Dame's number one spot and potentially taken that player as well. <laughs> but Notre Dame fans, you still should feel great about this class. I mean, we've talked a lot in the past about um, is there enough room at the top for two Midwest teams to recruit like elite teams. Ohio State obviously kind of holding that down for a while now. But, boy, with what Notre Dame's doing right now, you got to think it's possible. Of course, they've always been a national brand, a national program that has recruited across the country. But what Marcus Freeman is doing right now is kind of taking it to the next level. Just going down the list of their ESPN 300 commits, these are the states they're from. Texas, Louisiana, Texas, Texas, Illinois, Texas, Texas, Indiana, Ohio, Missouri, New Jersey, Maryland, Massachusetts, California, Kansas, and Washington State. They also have commits from Arizona and uh, North Carolina. So Notre Dame just going national on a different level right now. You sounded like my GPS system. (laughs) So, yeah, obviously Notre Dame still very much in a hunt. And really what's interesting, too, about that group is you look at it right outside there from four to seven, which includes Ohio State, Oklahoma, LSU, and Georgia in order. But you may look at Georgia at number seven. But I went back and looked, just looking from numerically, only 12 points separate all four of those teams. So basically, you got Texas at three. Then that grouping that I just mentioned from four to seven, 
at really at any point, one commitment can shake up that entire group there. Absolutely, yeah. So this race is far from over. How the top five winds up falling into place is still a lot to be determined because there's still some big-time prospects that are uncommitted. Uh, Georgia has been really on a run of signing top three classes. So they, like I said, it won't take much for them to get back in that mix. And you look at Oklahoma and LSU both starting over with new coaches, and they've been able to kind of pick up some steam. Oklahoma, back in June, was at the bottom of the top 25. They've been able to kind of skyrocket up the rankings into the top five now. Uh, and LSU has had several key pickups, including getting Ricky Collins, the quarterback who was an in-state player, originally headed to Purdue. He decommitted. They were able to keep him in-state. And that's what really, to me, Wade, was something really to watch was Brian Kelly was outstanding run at Notre Dame. They signed tremendous classes. But when you're the head coach at LSU, you better dominate the state of Louisiana. And at one point, they really only had one player within the top 10 committed. That has changed. They now have the top two running backs in the state of Louisiana that are committed. Uh, they've got one of the top receivers in the state of Louisiana, and Shelton Sampson Jr. He is committed. And then I mentioned they were able to go out and get a promising quarterback to develop in Ricky Collins, who at one point was headed out of, out of state, and they kept him very close to home. So that's huge there for the Tigers. Absolutely. Uh, you know, early on we saw him spot recruit a little bit from his old stomping grounds up in the Midwest, grabbing a prospect out of California as well. But if you're, as you mentioned, if you're the head coach at LSU, one of the biggest in-state home field advantages in the entire college football recruiting landscape, absolutely have to lock it down. And uh, you'd mentioned with that grouping, Texas at the top of that grouping, obviously a headline group grabbing class with Arch Manning, you know, the biggest headline grabber of all right now in the recruiting world. And uh, one thing I've been looking at that I've kind of found interesting is what really has the Arch Manning effect been on that class? As we all can agree, Texas has been down recently, but they're still recruiting at an excellent level. I mean, they finished number five, I think it was, correct me if I'm wrong, in uh, last year's class rankings, currently ranked number three. Jonte Cook and Malik Muhammad, of course, who will be on air this weekend, two of their other top commits. But those are great players from the state of Texas. The Longhorns have always been able to reel in players like that. Following Arch's commitment, there really was a wave of commitments that came after it. A lot of those recruits were ESPN 300 prospects, four stars, high three stars. Again, these are prospects that Texas has been able to grab onto in past years. But if you look down that list, two players, whether they have stated it publicly or not, that I think are definitely part of this Arch effect, running back Cedric Baxter out of Florida, number four running back in the country. All the big schools in state would have loved to have him, and all the top programs in the region in the southeast would have loved to have him as well. Of course, Texas was able to pull him out and bring him over to Austin. And then Sadir Mitchell, the prototypical SEC interior defensive lineman out of the state of New Jersey, a guy who, I mean, you got to figure in past years, this is an Ohio State, Notre Dame, Penn State battle. He's going to Texas. So are those prospects that maybe wouldn't have been looking Longhorns if it wasn't for Arch Manning? Yeah, and Mitchell maybe, because again, especially with a move to the SEC, you better be good in the trenches. And, and Mitchell is a guy that we're going to keep a close eye on early this fall for that midseason update of the ESPN 300. Because yes. he showed up at the Under Armour Future 50 event this summer, trimmer than he had been before. The longer I do this, the more that I see that, you know, when you get linemen who have kind of, the self-discipline to lose weight on their own, kind of shed bad weight, I think that's a good sign of, of work ethic and commitment to getting better. He did that. He's got a great frame. 
He's explosive. He's got the strength to be able to anchor. I think he's one of these players who, if he continues on the path that he has been, he could be an impact-type defensive lineman and potentially be a guy who currently sits as a number seven-ranked D tackle. I wouldn't be surprised if we continue to see positive progress and he finishes one of the top three defensive tackles in this class. Uh, you know, another one that jumps out to me, Wade, is, listen, Florida. When they had that coaching transition there, when Dan Mullen uh, was let go and then they wound up eventually hiring Billy Napier, that was a really tough hurdle. I mean, yeah. there at one point, they were outside of the top 75 class ranking. Unthinkable. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, and then they were able to get a big commitment during the early signing period and then get a little momentum into that final month going into that first February, uh, that first Wednesday in February, and made a little bit of a rise up the rankings, but still finished last in the SEC. But now the Gators are kind of very much in the running for a comeback class of the year. We don't, there is no official award, but maybe we'll start one. But they have, uh, and now sitting within the top 10. Yeah, I mean, Billy Napier has been known as a great recruiter since his time at Clemson, and I think fans were probably a little surprised that the end of their 2020 class wasn't you know, more of a splash. And then, of course, with the debut of the 2023 rankings, the Gators weren't in it again, so maybe some fans down in Gainesville you know, nervous about what was going on. Despite the slow start, Billy Napier was on air with us during signing day. I can't remember if it was the early period or the February uh, date. And he said, look, they were going to take their time. They weren't just going to you know, gobble up any remaining uncommitted guys. They were going to look specifically for the right players for their program. And not only did they do that in practice at the end of the 22 cycle, but during this one, their top four commits have all committed within the last month. They have 10 total commits from the last month. And those commits are heavily across the defensive line and the defensive backfield. So you know, he's let the evaluation process go through. He thinks they're getting players that are the right players for their program. And um, you got to feel a lot better about the status of Florida recruiting if you're a Gators fan now than you did maybe two months ago. Yeah, well, now that talent needs to translate to success on the field. But I As agree. always. <laughs> yeah, but listen, I agree because I think that's the right, and that's the same philosophy that Shane Beamer took when he took over that South Carolina program the year previous. They had a really kind of rocky transition. But when you get named head coach and maybe – two weeks, a week, a few days, by the time you get announced, you have an early signing period where roughly 80% of the class is going to sign, you're really in a tough, challenging position. But the last thing you want to do is just sign bodies for the sake of signing bodies because guess what? Now those guys are in your program. And if they're not good fits or they're not the right type of players, it's going to be a while before you can kind of transition them out. So, you know, I think it's the right thing to not panic. And I think we've seen Shane Beamer do that to success. And we're seeing the early results here. Uh, from Billy Napier to Florida. You mentioned uh, their one big pickup at the end of 22. That was five-star safety Kamari Wilson, who you know we know from the footage at the Future 50 event is not only a great football player, but a charismatic on-and-off-field leader. So again, not only is he a great player, but probably the right type of player to headline that 22 class and the new talent that'd be coming in in the future for them. And it's so interesting, too, how like how... They say football is a game of inches, so is recruiting. I remember talking to Kamari committed on air with us on ESPN that day, and I remember checking in with him about an hour or two before he was getting ready to go, making sure he was good to go and ready to go. And he's like, yeah, but I still don't know where I'm going. <laughs> and, and, I mean, in today's day and age, that's, you know, I, people are pretty aware of this, but 
that's a very unusual thing for a big commitment. Most of the yeah. time, you know, most of the drama is out and people know where, you know, recruits are going to end up, but that's an unusual one. Yeah, so the Gators had to sweat it out to the final minutes, but it worked out for them and it was kind of the catalyst. Uh, really, if you look back, if you know, we'll see how this tenure goes at Florida for Billy Napier. If you look back and they have success, you can kind of really point to that moment where Wilson came on board as kind of a, a turning point, really, you know, what jump-started them. And going down a little bit further, I think, you know, the team that we, you know, part of the catalyst for this podcast is not just, you know, like I mentioned earlier, Wade, we have uh, these inroads to all these different uh, recruiting events and insights that we want to share with you. But a lot of it, too, is just in our office, there's always debates going on and, <laughs> right, and we're always talking and, and, you know, throughout the day, it's, it's, you know, what about this? How is this guy so low? And one of the teams that we, you and I particularly always find ourselves talking about is Utah. Utah is in the top 40 towards the bottom. They don't have a very big class, only 12 commitments as we sit here and, and speak now. Three of those players in ESPN 300. And we talked earlier too about, you know, sometimes there's differences. Everybody has a different opinion. But I, I think we as a unit feel a little bit more strongly about players like Carlos Wilson, John Staley, and Michael Mitchell, the running back out of Florida. These, particularly Wilson and Stanley, bring outstanding speed. And then you think about what Utah has been able to do to go into Florida with players like the quarterback Tyler Huntley, the running back Zach Moss. And now that we talked about Mitchell being in that group, I really think they do a good job in when I look at Utah, what they've done, because they've, they've been able to cultivate success on the field. A uh, great year in the Pac-12 a year ago. Preseason heading in, a lot of people f- figure for them to be able to win the Pac-12. Again, I, I kind of almost feel like, you know, uh, the Beamer days back at, at Florida, uh, excuse me, at Virginia Tech. Huh, yeah. Yeah, you know, Virginia Tech was never one of those programs that consistently signed top 10 classes. Yet at the end of the year, they were always in the conference championship hunt. They, they kind of knew who they were. They knew the type of players that fit their, their system, fit their program, and they were able to make it work. And I look at Utah, and I almost feel like they're the new era of what Virginia Tech was 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, I like that. I hadn't thought about it uh, in comparison to Virginia Tech. Actually, we Tech. had talked about it in the office. I'm, I'm glad. Well, I guess I I'm blanked out on that. <laughs> but, um, you know, one thing that isn't reflected in the recruiting rankings sometimes are when – Programs like Utah that has proven time and time again over the years, they can pull good players out of anywhere and seemingly out of thin air. And, I mean, at this point, we know they're going to have good players in the trenches along the offensive and defensive line. They may not have any among the top commits right now in this class, but let's just be honest. This is an inexact science, and they're going to be there at Utah regardless of what these recruiting rankings say. But that's why this class is so exciting because Dijon Stanley, a player you mentioned, He's somebody who I loved watching. This was one of those guys who committed that there wasn't a whole lot out there on him. He plays in a high school offense that's like a total blast from the past. They're running wing T, power eye. He's playing running back. He's showing great vision in tight spaces that are, quite frankly, generated because of the, uh, you know, I don't want to call it outdated. It might not be for them, but the old school offense and they're running. But he's a 10, 6, 700 meter guy. He has the best 400 meter time in LA County in 20 years. Wow. And you might say, you know, you're never going to run 400 meters in a, a fo- you know, one time in a football game. But to me, that shows a, a, a premium conditioning, a premium conditioning from an athlete. He could play receiver, running back, safety, corner. And then you mentioned Michael Mitchell. This guy looks like a college back right now. Extremely well built, good looking kid. He's out of Florida, but he's out of a program 
that has not sent many players to the FBS level. So maybe even though it's in the Sunshine State, a little bit off the beaten path, they obviously didn't overlook him. He, again, is a 10-8, 100-meter personal best. He's run laser to laser, 4-5-9. For all you high school heroes out there, if you're running 4-5-9 laser to laser, that's probably about a 4-3-5 if your high school yeah. coach is going hand-to-hand trying to make you look good. So, I mean, that's blazing speed for a big back. And, again, an exciting class because we know Coach Whittingham will have the big boys in the trenches, whether they're reflected in recruiting rankings or not. And they have, at least in our opinion, some skill guys coming in who could be difference makers out there for them. Yeah, so I mean, that's the latest addition. And class rankings continually update, you know. And as they continue to update, Wade, the question I pose to you as you look at the top twenty-five of the class rankings, who do you think maybe at one point that is in the top twenty-five doesn't finish within the top twenty-five? You know, when you're looking down, it's hard to it's hard to identify a program because we like all these classes. So it's maybe not so much about criticizing, you know, what they've done to this point but about what they might be able you know, to do with the remaining time in the cycle. Two programs that I'm kind of looking at are Cincinnati and Northwestern. And again, this is nothing against those classes, especially that Northwestern class, which uh, is loaded with box safeties, linebackers, edge players, offensive linemen. I mean, we can probably safely bet that at least one or two of these guys is going to be drafted pretty highly in the NFL coming out of that class. So again, nothing against that Northwestern class, but... You've already made enemies your first episode. <laughs> They're already, are they, I believe, at 21 or 22 commitments, so probably not a, left, uh, a lot of room left to go uh, in that class up there. And uh, not so much about them falling, but maybe some programs with more to add on jumping them. Yeah, especially when you look at, you got like a Texas A&M who signed the number one class yes, a year right, ago, right. sitting at 32 and several prospects still potentially that they're, you know, so you'd imagine at some point the Aggies are going to be a big riser. I tend to agree with you. The other one I would look at, though, and this might be one check back with me in six weeks, but sitting at 25 is Florida State, depending on how the season goes. Really going on a limb there with the school that's at 25 right well, now. Well, not so much that because, listen, <laughs> they get off to a rough start. No, I hear you. Yeah. Things could fall apart. And then a, a class that at one point was near the top signed two number one classes between 2010 and 2019. They did a really good job. They were a major force on a recruiting trail. Now they're sitting at, t- at 25. Now – if they have a good season, this could be a class that you could see finishing, you know, inside the top 20. But if it gets off to a rough start, uh, you know, you, many might feel that Mike Norvell is on the hot seat. So this is one of those classes that, depending on how the season goes, they could be trending up or they could be trending down. So I think Florida State is one of those classes to potentially keep an eye on. And one of those, like I said, it could, I think how actions go on the field may very well determine where that class winds up going over the next four months. So there's a look at the recruiting class rankings. We'll continue to look at those as we update them throughout the fall. Uh, currently, Alabama sitting in the number one spot, as I mentioned, a really close race behind them, a lot to be determined. All right, Wade, so uh, episode one is in the books. We've brought you out from behind the scenes. Uh, let us know if you all think that was a good idea or Wade should be still behind the scenes. I'm already out of my seat running back there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but uh, listen, great first week ahead of us for high school football games. I hope you watch. Hope you enjoy. A, a big, big thank you to Malachi Nelson. A really an impressive sit down with that young man, um, and really looking forward to seeing him in this act. And excuse me, in action this Saturday uh, when he and his Los Alamitos teammates take on American Heritage. 
on ESPN2 at 4 o'clock. So a big shout-out to him for sharing some of his thoughts. I thought it was really interesting what he had to say about what he learned from Aaron Rodgers. And, um, you know, he's one of these players who's supremely talented, but he certainly seems like he's got a good focus on going forward and a great ability to be able to maximize his talent. So it's going to be exciting to see his development and how he plays. And uh, next week, please join us again. If you got any feedback, uh, let us know at Craig Harvard at the UC Report. Uh, but plenty more to cover each week. Uh, thanks for joining us. And for those of you who made it through Episode 1, we appreciate it. And as the, as the uh, listening family continues to grow, we'll certainly remember you guys early on. Uh, until next week, have a great week. Thanks, guys.